Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. Live, welcome everybody here to the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. Uh, today on the show, we're going to be talking about the weekend that the Lakers just had, the week that they have had, really, and how it perfectly summed up their season. We're going to talk about the next few days, which are going to be very, uh, I would imagine, eventful is one term that I would probably use here for it. LeBron James has been airing his, his thoughts in, in the ways that he typically does around this time of year as the Lakers get ready to do whatever they are getting ready to do next. So we're going to talk about that. And unfortunately, we do have to talk about Jared Vanderbilt, the injury that he incurred um, in Boston, what that is sounding like, not the actual injury. We haven't gotten that yet. He needs to get back to LA or the Lakers may never even release the actual verbiage on it. But what I'm hearing about that, what that looks like for the rest of his season and what that means for the way that the Lakers are going about the deadline as a result of that prognosis, a whole bunch to get to let's get to it. So (laughs) the last week or so we've seen the Lakers get their asses kicked by the Houston Rockets. Then we watched them get their asses kicked again at time by the Atlanta Hawks. And then, you know, because LeBron played heavy minutes in both of those games, I think he played like 73 combined minutes between those two blowouts. They gave him a night off going into Boston. Uh, He and AD were late scratches there. It's kind of an interesting way that that all came together. And... You're thinking, well, this is probably going to be ugly. 
No, actually went great. <laughs> the Lakers beat the Boston Celtics in Boston. If you guys want to have a good time and just reminisce and stuff like that, you can go back and find that conversation with me and Raj, where we just basically kept it light and enjoyed the moment. Um, and then you're thinking, well, all right, that was fun. You're going into New York. New York is playing great basketball right now. Nine-game winning streak, I think, the Knicks had going into that game. Uh, yeah, the Knicks didn't have Julius Randle. They didn't have OG Ananobi. And yet, like, I don't really that think that factors into the math for me because it doesn't matter who has, like, what team has whom. It doesn't seem to matter. The Lakers are capable of getting their asses kicked by any combination of players who, who playing for any team. Uh, and yet the Lakers pull out an ugly, grimy, Tom Thibodeau-type game, and they pick up. They are now currently riding a two-game winning streak, miraculously, um, and it really makes you feel like they dropped the ball because uh, they did in the two previous games. They could be, you know, if they just did, they didn't dilly-dally in the way that they did in those first couple games and they actually showed up for them, you could be in the middle of a four-game winning streak uh, and and potentially being able to uh tonight by the time you guys are listening to this in podcast form lakers are getting ready to play the charlotte hornets <laughs> you could be getting ready for a a a potential sweep of your grammy trip or whatever and um and yet no here we are uh and and um the lakers can um go i think what it is four and two in that in that grammy trip by winning tonight but it wouldn't put i wouldn't put it past them to not show up against Charlotte, have a letdown, and then, you know, walk away from that trip just kind of feeling like we felt all season. And um, this is what I wrote, actually, for Substack, is how I thought that perfectly summarized the season to this point, where there are highs. The Lakers have beaten Boston in Boston, double overtime uh, in San Francisco against the uh, Golden State Warriors. They've beaten the Thunder, right? Um, there are, there are reasons to believe, but then you also turn around and there are plenty of reasons to just say what the bleep about this team because, you know, that's what they are capable of making feeling all the, at all times as well. So, um, you know, they have to now gather all the data that they have right now, and a lot of it is kind of iffy data, and they're going to go into this week and they're going to try to figure out what they are going to do in terms of the roster, in terms of, you know, their approach to the rest of this season. And we'll see, I guess. But I do think it's worth it to, you know, spend a little bit of time, or I did think it was worth it to spend a little bit of time on this weekend um, because a lot, like we talked about just the basketball, but a lot has happened off of the court too. So let's get to that as well. So... The basketball itself has been really exciting lately, right? That win in Boston is one of my favorites maybe ever, like for regular season games. Um, the one against New York, also fun because it showed that the Lakers were capable of winning in kind of an ugly, different kind of way. Um, as all that is going on, though, right, you get the news about Jared Vanderbilt or, or you watch in that Utah game, non-contact injury. Initially, it looks like an Achilles tear because he's planting and then he just stops running. Um, it's not an Achilles tear from what I, uh, I'm i told, but it is a very serious injury 
that seems likely to hold him out for the remainder of this season. Um, I showed the tape to Jen, and now this is always tricky, even with doctors. <clears throat> My untrained eye, I don't know. I thought initially it looked like an Achilles thing, but uh, Jen made a an important point here where, so if you're looking at the way that the foot is, right, like this is your arch, right? An Achilles happens where you plant and it's going straight back and this tendon back here pops, right? Goes up into your calf. What happened there is more, I'm going to show this one. You know, I'm going to do it this way so that I'm not away from the mic. What happened there actually is that Vanderbilt planted and, you know, went to explode off of kind of the side of his foot and he came up lame there. So Jen seems to think that it's kind of the, the you know, if you're looking at the way that the foot comes down here like this, Jen seemed to think that it was something in the midfoot area, and that is um, apparently what he is actually dealing with. It's some kind of a midfoot injury, and uh, it is a serious one. Adrian Wozniarowski, right, saying, um, reporting um, a lot of this stuff as well. I did my asking around, and the way that it has been presented to me is that the Lakers are basically operating as if they are not going to have Jared Vanderbilt for the rest of this year. They hope to be wrong. I hope to be wrong, but that is essentially how they are, um, you know, handling this here moving forward, not just in terms of their own basketball, but obviously in this upcoming week, how they are going to address the roster. They now have to make the decision of, do we try to make up for not having Jared Vanderbilt? Or do we basically say, Look, it was already a, a a dubious season as is. Do we say that Vanderbilt is kind of the 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 straw that broke the camel's back in terms of how salvageable salvageable this season is? Um, I'm told that that is essentially the conversations that are that is the bulk of the conversations going on within the the Lakers' walls right now um, between the Lakers kind of data uh gatherers and uh the decision makers right now and and the decision makers are, are are kind of talking amongst themselves right and they're trying to figure out well look we're 500 to this point hasn't been a very good season as it is there were there's clearly a gap between us and the the teams that we will be competing against in the playoffs do we think that a trade that we make right now or and you know trades plural that we would make uh, this time of year would allow us to leapfrog those teams and become something closer to favorites, if not actual favorites. And essentially the math that I'm hearing is that a lot of those decision makers don't think so. And, um, you know, I, at least right now with the prices that it's going to cost. So, uh, I've always kind of thought that it might be a, a kind of a quiet trade deadline week here for the Lakers. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski has been talking about that and, and, and various other newsbreakers have been kind of hinting at the fact that yeah, the Lakers aren't particularly confident in their ability to add to this roster. And um, I don't think LeBron's taken it all that well. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. LeBron sends out a tweet, an hourglass tweet, and uh, somehow I don't think he was referring to a woman that was in the room with him. So, yeah, this is a this is at that point that's a fully fledged Lasub tweet is what that was, and the Lakers now have to decide how they are going to respond to. And the timing of all of this obviously is worth noting as well, right? You have the the hourglass uh, emoji tweet. He gets asked about it in New York uh, at shoot around ahead of ahead of that game. And they, uh, well, he gets asked about it. Doesn't want to clarify the hourglass tweet. Gets asked about his contract situation. Doesn't want to clarify that either. And as all of this is going on, Rich Paul and Clutch Sports are publicly mending fences with the New York Knicks ahead of an offseason where LeBron has a player option. None of this has been a coincidence. It never is, right? Uh, we always, I always have George Sedano on the show. He's going to be here later this week, and we always talk about how LeBron doesn't leave. He doesn't leave breadcrumbs. He drops entire loaves for you to look back on and say, "Yep, oh, yeah, I probably should pick, should have picked up that piece of bread." Oh, there's another piece of bread I probably could have picked up. And I think this week, the way that he's handled this last week, is very telling, right? It's very much like, yeah, you know. You can hold on to that 29 pick if you want. Maybe you can bring in a star. Maybe I might play with that star. But a bit of risk <laughs> involved with that, I would say. And, um, you know, now we're, it's, I'm, I'm really kind of curious to see how the Lakers are going to respond to all of that. In the recent past, they've kind of let it run off like water off of duck feather, right? Where, where, you know, the, the, he was subtweeting Rob Palinka by complimenting all these other GMs, right? Whether it was less need of the Rams, right? Whether it was uh, Sam Presti of the Oklahoma city thunder, uh, whoever it was that he was complimenting the, the, you know, the implicit message there obviously was, 
you know, those guys are doing a good job. Oh, you want to talk about Rob? Hmm. We'll see. <laughs> and uh, when he did that in the past, though, Rob didn't blink. Rob did not make, you know, two years ago, he did not trade Russell Westbrook and, you know, draft capital just to get rid of Russell Westbrook. Um, last year, he waited until the last second to trade Russell Westbrook and bring in players who could also help all while holding on to one of the first round picks that it was supposed to cost to trade Russell Westbrook. So, you know, based off of that, you think Rob probably won't blink this time either. Um, I'm told that the Lakers aren't like worried about how all this is playing out. They've been here, done this before with, Le with LeBron. Hell, they did it with Kobe, right? Where Kobe, you know, sat down with Dr. Jerry Buss, demanded a trade, right? Dr. Buss said, <laughs> we're not trading you. We're not trading you for the sake of trading you. And obviously with Kobe, he spends the rest of his career with the Lakers and go on, goes on to win more championships. Um, and I think it was, it was an important moment, obviously, for everybody involved. Um, with LeBron, he doesn't feel the same way about the Lakers that I would imagine Kobe did back then. So if the opportunity does come up, um, the, I, I, I don't think he likes Darvin Ham all that much or respects him as a head coach. I think if he had his choice, Darvin would not be his head coach right now. If he had his choice, I think Teron Liu would have been the coach way back when they interviewed him. <laughs> By the way, LeBron complimented Ty Liu earlier this season too, right? So you have all of this going on. And you have LeBron a little tweaked by the fact that Darvin Ham is still the head coach. And uh, he and Clutch Sports, I'm told, really want DeJounte Murray to be a Los Angeles Laker. Before Zach Levine got hurt, there was hope that Zach Levine would be a Laker. Obviously, now Levine with the surgery um, that he maybe got to avoid going to Brooklyn. Uh he is not going to be a Laker. So the focus now moves to just DeJounte Murray. And, uh, you know, there's some interesting stuff that I'm hearing on that front too. Before we move on though, to DeJounte Murray, I do want to really quickly say this. And I, I wrote a, a little bit about this on, uh, in, in, in uh, today's Substack, which, uh, Anthony Irwin.com slash or Anthony Irwin .substack.com or something like that is where you can find it. But um, this whole dance between LeBron and Clutch and the Lakers, I've covered it now for the entirety of the, you know, of its run. Harrison has covered it for the entirety of its run. A lot of people covering this team right now have obviously covered this whole dynamic for the entirety of, of its existence. I'm here to tell you, at least from my perspective, it is old at this point to keep on hearing about how well LeBron wants this and clutch wants this and Rob doesn't want this specifically because the person that they might be bringing in might be clutch or might be more allegiant towards LeBron versus Rob. And you have the, the Rambi aspect of this too, and the cabal of leaders at the top of the organization, none of whom seem particularly um, fit or qualified to hold those positions. Like the way all of this is 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 working and has worked for the in, you know 
for as long as it has. Um, you know, I've talked about this, whether it was in spaces, whether it was on the show, and I wrote about it today. But the Lakers, while LeBron and AD have been there, have been mostly mediocre for the regular season. And they have a couple spectacular playoff runs, miraculous playoff runs. Um, but for the most part, this has been a mediocre run, which is crazy considering you've had two top five-ish players in the NBA and you're still somehow mediocre in a sport where only five guys are on the court for your team at any given time. And I think the reason that, or part of the reason, maybe the biggest reason, I think it's a foundational issue with the way that the Lakers have done business with LeBron and the way that LeBron and Clutch have done business with the Lakers is that I don't think everybody is necessarily rowing in the same direction. Um, I think they would all like to be successful, but I think they would prefer to be successful on their terms. And in the NBA, with how this is working nowadays, how competitive and how smart the league has gotten, you cannot be that particular about what makes you successful. You can't. There is just, there's too much going on and to have ego and to allow ego to get in the way of how all of this, all of this is working and how all of these parts fit together. And, you know, if you think of the Lakers or a professional organization as kind of like a watch, right? Where you have, you know, these, these, these linked up grinds, you know, these gears that have to run on the exact same time in order for this whole machine to work and operate at a level that it needs to operate at to compete with some of the other multi-billion dollar in, um, organizations that you're competing against in the NBA. And, you know, I don't think that it is sustainable to do business the way that the Lakers have done it. And, uh, you know, we'll see how this turns out. And we'll see what happens with this deadline. But as I'm told the picture that i have had painted for me to this point yeah they're probably gonna risk pissing him off again all right why well few reasons first and foremost i will say this i don't want to paint this as a picture where like rob is not bringing in clutch guys specifically because they are clutch guys that is not what i've heard that is not what i believe is going on there what I do think, though, is that like he is always very cognizant of the amount of clutch in the organization and making sure that he has a few more allies um, than LeBron does. Uh, and and by the way, like in this world, in in corporate America or just corporate <laughs> world, uh, that is how a lot of leadership goes, right? You got to make sure that you are nice and safe in your position. And, uh, you know, not that that is the top priority, but that is certainly a priority. And I think that that is kind of what has gone on here with, with Palinka. And we saw how the negotiations with Tehran Lu went. Um, we saw how things ended with Frank Vogel. Um, and, and Darvin Ham is very much a Palinka guy. And I think Darvin Ham is a, is a safe and made man because, Palinka considers him an ally. And and uh I think Palinka always wants to do what is best for the Lakers, not just now, but moving forward. But I also think that there are some qualifiers associated with that. And uh, you know, we'll see what what a DeJounte Murray deal looks like, whether it's with the Lakers or if he gets sent somewhere else. 
We saw over the weekend that Utah is now a name that is getting thrown out there um, that might trade for DeJounte Murray. I don't see it because they have Keontae Jones and they or George, and they really want to develop him. And we have seen how some of these double point guard backcourts can sometimes backfire and limit the growth of a young guy like George. Uh, so it felt like leverage building from my perspective. But I, I do think, though, that, you know, not only for the sake of the caliber of basketball that we could watch as Lakers fans, but also importantly here for what will inevitably be the end at some point of the LeBron James era. I do hope that they get more on the same page than they have been since the Russell Westbrook trade. Um, not just again, because I think that that would help everybody be better at their jobs, but also the Lakers fancy themselves as star hunters. And the biggest star, they, they they tend to go out and get the biggest star, right? They did it with, with LeBron. They did it in past years with Shaq. And then they did it before with Kareem. And, um, you know, they drafted Magic Johnson. And uh, they, they obviously traded for Kobe on draft night. And what you can't do if you are star hunters is burn a bridge with one of the biggest agencies in the sport who happens to have star clientele. And if the Lakers keep pissing off LeBron enough to the point where this upcoming off season, he has to take a long, hard look at, at how this stuff is going. And I'm still told he wants to retire a Laker. You can't burn your clutch bridge. You can't. I know that the priority here is maintaining allyship with, 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 with your own standing in the organization if you're Rob Polinka, but you cannot risk your standing in the league and in league circles by completely butchering the relationship that took a long time to develop with Clutch and led to bringing in LeBron in the first place. So that's the, that's the kind of thing that I'm going to be paying attention to over the course of this week. No biggie, no real stakes. Um, all right, the DeJounte Murray thing which is, uh, yes, that's a great point here too, right? Anthony Davis, also clutch. Again, clutch. LeBron eventually going somewhere, right? Eventually he's going to retire. Clutch? Clutch sports? The agency that's like moving into other sports? Not going anywhere. You can't fuck with that relationship. All right. Um, the next thing that I wanted to talk about is DeJounte Murray and some of the stuff that I'm hearing here, and especially as it compares to some of the other reports out there on this situation. The pervasive reporting out there, and I'm not questioning the reporting. It's being done by people who are very, very, very good at their jobs and have hit on a lot more stories than I have. But the pervasive take out there, basically, um, and, and especially the informed takes, is that well, all it would take is for the Lakers to find a third team to send D'Angelo Russell to. And they in Atlanta could figure out that trade from there. And, and apparently that uh, D'Angelo Russell, like in order to do that, the Lakers would have to give up more draft capital and that the Lakers don't really want to do that. Um, I am told and have been told we're going on a month now that remember way back when the first like story I kind of broke on this was how 
the Lakers and Hawks came close to a deal that would have included D'Angelo Russell, would have included Jalen Huchifino, the 29 pick. And, um, and then I think eventually Jake Fisher added that there was a pick swap in there as well. And um, essentially those talks got really, really close to the point where like they were on the verge of talking about protections. And that is when like a deal is imminent, right? When you start talking about pick protections, that's when a deal is reaching the finish line. And, um, and then all of a sudden Atlanta has a bit of an about face and then decides that they want Austin Reeves. And that is when the Lakers pushed away from the table, said, we are not giving you Austin Reeves for DeJounte Murray under any circumstances, let alone with the other draft capital that you guys are asking for. And talk stalled out. They didn't talk for a couple days and then they would check in. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Great. How are the kids? Awesome. Do you still want Austin Reeves? Yep. All right. We'll talk to you soon. And uh, it kind of carried on like that moving forward, right? Hey, how's it going? I saw that you're talking to Milwaukee. You really want Pat Connaughton, huh? Huh? Really going for those white guys. Hmm. All right. You still want Austin? Yeah. All right. Good luck with Pat. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Again. Recently, I'm told. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Good, good. How are you? Great. Congrats on that Boston win. Thank you. That felt good. Winning in Boston always feels good. Cool. You still want Austin? Yep. All right. We'll talk to you closer to Thursday. Utah, huh? They're interested in giving up stuff to pair Keontae George with uh, DeJounte Murray. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Good luck. And look, by the way, maybe Utah does do this. Maybe yeah, Utah certainly has the assets to, to come over the top of any offer that the Lakers have. Thing is, they haven't. Otherwise, a deal would have happened, right? So that's worth keeping in mind. And this is where these negotiations get a little tricky. And the way that it was kind of explained to me by somebody close to the um, close to the situation is that if this was indeed a situation where all that needed to happen was D'Angelo Russell being sent to a third team, the Lakers have enough relationships with other teams out there that they could send a second round pick that that team wouldn't normally get. And uh, that three team deal could have been facilitated. I am told though, that because that hasn't happened, that's worth noting. And that actually what is going on here is that the Atlanta Hawks are still adamant that they, if they are going to trade DeJounte Murray, they want to get Austin Reeves, or this is going to go right up until the deadline and they'll come off of that stance or they don't. And the Lakers don't get DeJounte Murray, but um, I'm still told that the Lakers are perfectly fine with a deal and involves sending D'Angelo Russell, Jalen hood, Shafino, the 29 first and a pick swap to Atlanta or if the if a third team needs to be brought in to facilitate the deal, they're fine with that too. But that Atlanta still is maintaining that they they need Austin Reeves in any kind of a deal, and will not continue talks without him. And talks haven't continued. Now, um, I will say this: uh, this is certainly more of a Lakers angle to the situation. Just like I think a lot of the reporting on this stuff has had more of an Atlanta flavor to it, right? Talking about 
well, look, all they need to do is find a third team and, and we'll, you know, we'll go forward here. Eh, eh, we'll see. So I, um, I do uh, think this is worth coming back to over the next few days. And maybe Atlanta comes off of that stance, but until they do, there is no deal. And the Lakers will, will move forward. And uh, I, you know, I reported a couple weeks ago that the Lakers have grown kind of tired of all of this and have started including pieces from that trade offer in other potential trade talks, right? Which obviously you risk uh, if you, if once you trade those pieces, you take yourselves out of the uh, DeJounte Murray sweepstakes. And um, maybe that's how this all ends up too. But uh, the, I've, I've found it interesting that I haven't seen this reporting anywhere else. And I, I have this pretty well nailed down that that is the, the situation as it stands right now on Sunday night. And uh, maybe this changes as soon as Monday morning, or maybe this changes Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday leading up to that actual deadline. But as it stands right now, those talks are still at a standstill because uh, Atlanta still wants Austin and the Lakers are not trading Austin for DeJounte Murray. And this is where, again, this gets interesting, right? Because clearly it seems like LeBron wants Murray. Clutch wants Murray. LeBron wants, yeah, I, I think LeBron likes Austin. I think he really trusts Austin, but I think he would prefer to have DeJounte there. I think he would prefer to have DeJounte there instead of D'Angelo Russell. Like, like ideally, it's like everybody in the organization. But I, I, um, I don't think that that is in the cards right now as things currently stand. So the Lakers are kind of, you know, looking around to see what else they can do. Fortunately for the Lakers though, and this is something else that I wrote about, it seems like the market is kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, calming down a little bit where uh, Tyus Jones, right? A week or so ago, the wizards were like, Oh yeah, you want a few months of Tyus Jones before he becomes a free agent. You're going to have to give us a first rounder. And the whole league was like, we aren't doing that. And Tyus Jones is still a Washington wizard. Uh, there were reports that Dorian Finney-Smith, right, over the weekend, that the Brooklyn Nets turned down an offer for Dorian Finney-Smith that would have included two first-round picks. And uh, Nets Daily, the SB Nation team site, is saying, eh, actually, I think they'd be okay with a couple, say, you, with, with a few second-rounders for him. It's like uh, Royce O'Neal would also probably cost um some second round draft capital as well and um you know i think they do want some players and stuff and they want some expiring money for unfortunately the lakers don't really have any expiring money so that obviously complicates those conversations but it does seem like dorian finney smith royce o'neill tyus jones players in that kind of tier are becoming a little bit more attainable but again it kind of goes back to do the Lakers feel the need to go out and spend that draft capital on those players um, for a, a team in a season that they may feel like is already lost? I don't think so. Uh, if you guys are asking my opinion on this, I don't think that this season is lost. Even with Darvin Ham still as the head coach, I think there are ways to Darvin prove this, proof this roster and, and be talented enough to kind of overcome some of the issues that he has had this season. And now does that mean trading Torian Prince to make sure that Torian doesn't play 30 minutes every single night, whether he 
starts or comes off of the bench? Maybe, I don't know. Um, but if you bring in like a Dorian Finney-Smith, who is just better at basketball than, than Torian Prince, maybe he eats into those Torian Prince minutes and the Lakers um, become deeper as a result, even with Jared Vanderbilt out likely for the rest of the year. So uh, same can be said about Tyus Jones, right? If, if, if Brooklyn basically go, goes to the Lakers and says, all right, you want Dorian Finney-Smith, we need a point guard. Um, will you include D'Angelo Russell in this trade, knowing that it would take you out of the running for, uh, for DeJounte Murray? And I think the Lakers would think long and hard about it, and they would. Uh, it would be a very difficult decision. But I think eventually they would probably arrive at, yeah, okay, let's do that. And then I think they would work to move Gabe Vincent and draft capital to Washington to bring in Tyus Jones to operate as that either, you know, starting point guard or secondary point guard or whatever, um, with like Austin being your starting one, Torian Prince being your starting two, Dorian Finney-Smith being your starting three, LeBron being your starting four, and and your uh, and, and Anthony Davis being your starting center. Um, I think that, and with, with Tyus Jones coming off of the bench, and, and we'll see what Chicago does with Andre Drummond. They're a really dumb organization, so they, they might just wait this thing out, and he might ask for a buyout because he's barely making anything above the minimum anyway. So um, if that's how this plays out, I think the Lakers, with that assortment of talent, would be, I think, well-positioned to compete with just about anybody in the conference. And, you know, you're always just an injury away from somebody's season being completely changed, right? Just look at what's going on in Philadelphia with Joel Embiid. So, yeah, I I do think that with those prices coming down, the Lakers options here will open up a little bit. It's just a matter of Rob Polinka being convinced that this is a season he should spend asset capital on. And as this is kind of, this is more speculation on my part, but it has felt like people in the organization trying to convince Rob to commit to this roster, to give these guys, LeBron and AD, an opportunity to go on another playoff run um, where like every time that they have had a sensible roster, they have gone on a playoff run. Um, and it would, you know, so long as injuries didn't get in the way. And I think that I would make that bet again. I would happily wager on LeBron and AD being able to figure something out here um, together in that playoff setting as they have together twice over once to the tune of a championship and the other to a tune of a miraculous birth in the West to the Western conference finals. So um, that's how I would approach this. I don't think that's necessarily how the Lakers are approaching this and we'll see if prices drop far enough for Rob to say, well, that's too good of a deal. We'll go ahead and we'll pull the trigger here and we'll, we'll add to a roster even if there are a lot of very daunting questions on it moving forward. All right. I'm going to go through the comments here and see if I have uh, missed anything here. Um, I, I do think though, I'm trying to think of anything else that I missed. I don't think so from my Substack article, there's some more details and, and, and stuff in there and more of a prediction on how this all plays out. So I do hope that you guys subscribe there to my Substack to get more of that information. 
Um, the information in there has been pretty on point all year, especially this time of year. Um, so I do hope that you guys do subscribe there. I hope you guys subscribe here. There are 500 people watching right now. Um, please hit that subscribe button, hit that like button and, and, uh, let's keep this thing rolling. But I, I do tend to think that as it stands right now, the Lakers are looking to make a couple tweaks on the parameters on the, on the perimeter of the, uh, of the roster. I do think it's probably likely, likely that they take back less money than they send out and get under the luxury tax and reset their repeater. But I do also think that if that's all that they do, they legitimately risk losing LeBron James in the offseason, one way or the other. I don't know that he would opt out of a $50 million player option because uh, the teams with cap space this year uh, may not necessarily align with what he is looking to do. So maybe he would opt in and ask for a trade in this upcoming summer. If it, if it's one, you know, the Lakers once again, ignore the subtweets and all of that. But uh, if, if that's what this comes to in Dontario, uh, what's the name of the YouTube channel? I do forget sometimes that there's a lot of people watching from uh, Twitter. Uh, the name of it is the Lakers lounge. This is just a Lakers lowdown episode because it is just me here. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that they're, more so than I think in seasons past is a risk here of, of LeBron departing this upcoming summer. If the Lakers don't do enough to supply him with proper talent to go on a decent run last year. Right. So we'll see what all of that looks like. I'm going to go ahead and call it quits here. Uh, well, no, I will go ahead. I'm going to run through here. I'm going to see if I can find any questions and, and um see if you guys have any thoughts. So remember when Pat Bev tried to convince Vando not to sign an extension in the off season. Yeah. That aged poorly given that, uh, you know, it's great that Vanderbilt is now under contract while he recovers from this injury. Um, already answered, which way do I think the Lakers are leaning? I think it'll be right now. Seems like it'll be, uh, kind of quiet, but this stuff happens so fast, man. All it takes is for Atlanta to say, all right, fine, we don't need Austin Reeves, and boom, talks are right back up in a big way, right? All it takes is for Brooklyn to say, okay, we're cool with a pick swap in two second rounders or something like that to send you Dorian Finney-Smith, and boom, the Lakers are, are in the driver's seat for Dorian Finney-Smith too, right? All it takes is for... Chicago Bulls ownership to develop a second IQ point to rub them together and learn that they need, they're heading towards another rebuild and boom, they might start, make some start to make some sense organizationally. Um, but as it stands right now, you know, with given the information that I have right now, I lean towards this being relatively quiet. Um, and by the way, this might be a hot take. I love Jared Vanderbilt. I think he's a great, great, great regular season player. We also saw him get played out of every series that he played in last year. And part of that is because LeBron couldn't shoot and Anthony Davis couldn't shoot. And it really puts it, makes it that much more difficult to employ uh, Jared Vanderbilt in those lineups. If you don't have enough shooting around him and maybe things would have looked differently this year with the way that LeBron is shooting and, and hell, even the way that Anthony Davis has shot at various points this, this season, but I don't see Jared Vanderbilt as the loss that somehow ends this season. I, 
I love Vando. I love what he brings to the table. I'm really annoyed at the fact that Darwin finally sat Torian Prince and didn't have Vanderbilt available to stick into the starting lineup. And we never saw those starters together really over the course of this season. Um, that sucks, but I don't, I'm not willing to go to the extent where I'm like, Oh, well, don't have Vanderbilt. That's, that's it for them. I don't see that. I, I just don't. And I think that there's enough that can be done to this roster and enough talent on this roster to overcome Jared Vanderbilt's loss. Um, let's see. Do I think, let's see. I think that's it. I think that'll do it here for questions and comments. And I'll look through them again when I, when I finish editing and when I finish throwing the show up. Um, so that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers lowdown again on the Lakers lounge channel, but it is a lowdown episode um, because it is just me here talking. We do have, however, a really fun week ahead for you with some really fun voices, a lot of great information and up to the minute information on this stuff. I'm going to go live as often as I can for these shows because information becomes irrelevant like with the quickness this time of year. So that is what you guys have uh, to look forward to as well. If we get any kind of uh, breaking news or anything like that, I will go live as soon as I possibly can here in the lounge. So please do hit that subscribe button so you guys are up to the minute uh, informed on those things as well. Um, and until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin. Say have a great rest of your weekend. Make somebody else's, and I will talk to you manana or shoot a couple hours from now, depending on the information. We'll see. Have a great one, everybody.